Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shed. This week we're continuing the Aliens of 88 with Phantasm 2. Phantasm. The delusion of a disordered mind. A phantom. A spirit. A ghost. For ten years, the secret of Perigord Cemetery has remained a mystery. Now, three innocent people are about to discover the ultimate evil. You think that when you die, you go to heaven. You come to us. This summer, the ball is back. Phantasm 2. It's only a dream. It's a dream. No, it's not. Rated R. Obviously, this movie came out in 1988. It... 35 years ago. That's right. A long time ago. So long ago that I was still in high school. Yes, a long time ago. The original came out in 1979, so it took a while for this sequel to come to be. Obviously, you may or may not know, Don Cossarelli, you know, independent filmmaker, has to come up with the money. He's not really backed by like a huge studio. Even though this one actually was backed by a studio. <laughs> this had the biggest budget of any of the Phantasm movies. And it, the budget was two and a half million dollars. It made its money back. Yeah. And what, what was the face when you said it made its money back? What was the face? So, you know when you see like like in a in a Facebook page or like some question someone throws, like, uh, give your uh, most unpopular horror opinion. You know, like that kind of shit. I'm the fan of that. I'm not a fan. I'm just like, eh, phantasm. Like, I don't see what the hype is. Like, it's like, okay for me. At one point, I think I did like it. I, but then when you just watch them all together which I hope I never have to do ever again for as long as I live. When did you watch them all together? Oh, I don't know. It's been a couple of years, but that's not going to change the fact. It's not going to change the fact that the story is all over the place. We don't really know what the fuck is going on. Like, it, it just, it's so off. It's so inconsistent. And I don't like that. I just don't like the inconsistency. Now, let's talk about the character of Mike, okay? Yes. Who we see in this movie, there's a combination of 
present Mike, which is played by another actor, uh, a different actor from the first one, because it's eight years later, right? So, yeah. and then Kid Mike, who they just obviously took from the first movie and just added those scenes in, which is done well. They did that well that when they hide his face, he's kind of dragging in the ground. So it's like obviously some a small individual. Or, and I don't mean like a small person, I mean like just maybe like a small, you know, actual person. Yeah, this was a kid. Or a kid. Who knows? So they put a wig on, you know, they threw the 70s like fucking bell-bottom jeans, called it a day. Put some 70s clothes and feathery hair out a little bit. It's the kid from the 70s movie. Yeah. Um, but it, he just didn't have that, he just wasn't a working actor. Like the character, the actor that played well, um, the original, um, A. Michael Baldwin. <laughs> I yeah. can't, I can't with the. Yeah, A. Michael Baldwin. Yeah, because like I know what like the. Like a random guy, just like, it's not Michael Baldwin, it's A. Michael Baldwin. You know, that Zag Aftra, you know, yeah. that you can't have the same name as someone else. If there's a, there was a Michael Baldwin in there, even if they did like the smallest thing, you can't have the same name. It's a whole yeah. thing. So yeah, A. Michael Baldwin. A. Michael Baldwin. This was one of the things that the studio just said, no, we want someone else to be the lead of the movie because most of the people in the movie, to be honest, from the original one, they really weren't actors. They were just friends of Don Coscarelli's that had been in his previous movies. And they all did a great job. I have no quorum about the acting from the first film. Um, The first film, obviously classic. It's a classic film. I have no issue. Is it a bit boring? I mean, when you've seen it 500 times, it's like, eh, it's fine. But trivia, Brad Pitt actually auditioned for the role of Mike uh, Pearson. How much different would it have been? Would you think it would have caught on if Brad Pitt had been the lead in this? I don't even know because I don't even know. I, 1988, so really, we don't see Brad Pitt until when he gets big, which is in Thelma and Louise. That's like early 90s, it's right? Like three years later. So, yeah, it, it took a while for him to get there. But I can't, I don't know, I, I can't even see him be in this role. The guy that they got is fine. He did a fine job. Uh, we have Angus Scrim. Um, he's come back to play the role of the tall man. We have uh, Reggie. Coming back to play. Reggie. Reggie. <laughs> I love when they do that because I'm sure it just makes it so much simpler for the actor. Yeah, you just, it's it Reggie. <laughs> he plays the character of Reggie. Please uh, call him Reggie. <laughs> and, you know, you can't have a Phantasm film without having, you know, a bunch of women running around. Maybe they're topless. Maybe there's a scene where they're going to do something. But alas, it's really the tall man. I don't. Let's not even now, get into that. That was the first the... one. They skipped that part in this one where the tall man may or may not be turning into various women to seduce people at the cemetery. They left that part out of the 80s version. They were like, yeah, the 70s people were a little cooler with that, but it's the 80s now. And we're going to cut down on that element a little bit. <sighs> I, 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 I'm going to tell you right now. If there was a woman, this is a movie right now. This is a movie. There is a woman in the cemetery. She's hot looking. She's just walking around the cemetery and she approaches me. Whether I'm a man or a woman, whatever, however you're living, I'm a human breathing that's, you know, alive. And I get approached and she's down to pound. Like she's ready to go at it in the cemetery. Yeah. I'm going to 
gonna be like, is this a ghost? Am I am I fucking a ghost? That's my first thought. I don't know if it's just me. You know, obviously she's not gonna be a zombie because her flesh isn't rotting. Even if she was like newly out of the ground, she would still have like dirt on her and stuff like that, right? Like maybe worms in her hair. I don't know how long she's been in the coffin, but I, I really have to take a sec. Like, what was the thought process in that first movie? Like, yeah, this is something that could happen. Some attractive woman would approach you in the cemetery and then want to bang your bones. Like, and you're, and, and you're, you're cool with it. You're like, you're cool. But that just goes to show the way the men think. Just, they're, they're like, you know what? <laughs> She's ready. And, I, and I'm going to give it to her. I'm going to be the lucky guy that was around at the cemetery. But anyways, yeah. I digress. Let's go back to Phantasm 2. So Phantasm 2. Here we are, X amount of years later. Guess what? Mike, he's in an insane asylum because, yeah, he crazy, right? He going around talking about that this man is going around robbing, cradle robbing, robbing people out of the grave. Like there's no, you know, graves around. This is what I told Chad when I was watching the movie. You think after all of this shit happened to me, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to get this tall man. I don't even know what he's about. Is he, who, who what is he? He's a monster. Like, I, I have no idea. But me, I'm going to be the one to go and take him out with X ice cream man, like, you know, <laughs> balding, receding hairline ice cream man. Me and the ice Why cream man. Why is everyone fixated on the guy's hairline in this movie? They're all like, uh, Reggie, you're bald and middle-aged. We can't be fighting this guy. What does his baldness have to do with his monster fighting abilities? You know what it means? It means he couldn't even keep a track of his own motherfucking hair, okay? He couldn't even keep that. So how he's going to possibly keep a track of going after this, this monster? Means this was the 80s and hair was still a big deal. I remember when Star Trek The Next Generation came out. It was everybody's joke that the captain was bald. Oh my God, the captain of the Enterprise is going to be bald? How can you have a bald guy be the captain of the, of the show? That's ridiculous. Captains have hair. And went on and on and on about it. And then later, like now, no one cares. Have hair to your waist, be bald, no one gives a shit. But in the 80s, it was still a little bit hung up on the shit from the 70s where you had to have long, you had to stand in the wind with your fucking hair flowing out behind you and everything, male or female, it had to be flowing out there. Yeah, no one gives a shit now. If they made these movies now, Reggie could be bald, he could have a mohawk, no one would care. That would never be mentioned. But back then, everybody hung up on the fact that Reggie was bald. Also, no offense to Reggie, the character and the man played by Reggie, named yeah. Reggie, as we earlier mentioned. Um, he's just not attractive. That's another thing. Like, your baldness, like, you're not even cute in the face. Now you got no hair, like... That's why they had to accompany him with a young guy. Mind you, I think that was the other thing. They get, they were like, we need a guy with flowing fucking hair. Like, he needs to have a nice set of hair to, like, offset this balding dude. I don't know why it was a thing. Even Angus Scrim had fucking hair, okay? And he, we find out he's not even from this fucking dimension-ish, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. We'll, well see in the other movies. from another dimension. Fine. Uh, yes, he's from another dimension where it's hot and it looks like Terminator fucking 2, like when they go back in the fucking, when they go in the future and everyone's like, it's fiery out there and you know, there's explosives and it's, and it's, it's just like, okay, I don't, I, I, I again, the movie's going to make me digress all over the place because I just, there's some things I just can't let go, but we're going to, we're going to fast forward. So yes. So we have him, Mike, 
They get out. He's going to get out on good behavior. I'm like, he's been there for seven years, dude. First of all, he hadn't hurt nobody. Fine. A house exploded. Whippity fucking do. But he had some trauma. Here's the thing that I always question about this is like Reggie seemed to be like forgetting about the tall man, too. was like, ah, yeah, you kind of made that up. That was all just in your imagination. Like, But Reggie, you saw that shit. You saw the tall man at the house. You saw the house blow up. You kind of knew that was a thing. But maybe he lost his memory or something. I don't know. They're, not, they're kind of unclear on that part of it. They are unclear on that. And I think maybe it's one of those things where either it's a psychosis thing. Like the trauma was so bad that he literally had to like hide that deep away within himself and forget about that. Because he was not going to be able to live life. Like you can't live life knowing that there's some being out here robbing fucking bodies decimating towns like and you're just gonna go about your day going back to fucking ice cream cellar like that's just not a thing or that was like the side effect of like the tall man like if he's not around you and his presence is not around you like kind of like forget about it because he's he's that's like the his energy like whatever maybe he's like a like one of those like energy like sucking vampires like kind of thing i don't know I don't even know. I don't even think Don Carlos really knows what this, <laughs> what the tall man truly is. Um, yeah, this okay. So now we have them. Now they're back together, and you're right. He Reggie does seem kind of aloof about the whole thing. Like, okay, what do you? I knew it would find you here because, of course, he's released. And Mike is like, you know what? My first thing is gonna be, I'm not gonna try to get laid. I'm not getting a job. Fuck, I'm not even going to McDonald's to have a fucking twenty nine cents fucking hamburger. I'm gonna go and start digging a fucking grave. First of all, how long ago this movie happened? Thirty five years ago, not fifty five years ago. The McDonald's hamburgers were not 29 cents in 1989. You're right. Maybe they weren't 29 cents. But you know what was 29 cents in 1989? A White Castle burger, which is my New York ass is thinking about White Castle burgers. Okay, <laughs> fine. It was a dollar fucking 25. Whatever it was, it is not no damn $10 for a meal like it is today. So regardless, fine. He could have a malted shake from the Shake Down Diner. Like whatever. He's fucking, that's my first thing. Like I've been eating fucking like asylum food, which tastes like cardboard. Okay. It's garbage. I'm hungry. Like I need to fucking eat a real, and he's a strapping (laughs) 19 year old guy. Like he needs to eat a real fucking meal, but I, fine. So that's what starts the movie. And I I don't know. They go back to Reggie's house and as they're on the way back to Reggie's house, Mike has the vision where the tall man is like, hey, remember when Reggie turned off all the gas, all the pilot lights on the stove in uh, his house and blew it up and killed all my uh, dwarves and everything before? Yeah, well, I'm in your house now, turning off all the pilot again. So Reggie's house explodes and kills his entire family. While he's riding up to the house, his entire family, which was three people. I mean, fine, it was three lives lost, but I mean, you act like it was like a 10 people house. Yeah, so then that's when they decide to head out on the road in Reggie's fancy uh, Himikuda and start going after the tall man. And my one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they stop, they break into the hardware store to just steal all the weaponry. At first, you see them like they just break in. They're getting all the guns, they're getting all the blow torches, the axes, hammers, sledgehammers. They make the blowtorch thing, you know, they put like three tanks together of like propane to make it into a torch. They take the two shotguns, tie them together with fucking uh, cables and saw them off and make a quadruple barrel shotgun, which they end up using a few times in the movie, but not nearly enough because I wanted to see that thing used more. 
And then after they take all this shit, all the ammo, the tools, the all this stuff, they open up the cash register at the place and leave two hundred dollars, which I love. They way took way even in nineteen eighty eight, they took way more than two hundred dollars worth of shit. I was gonna say maybe it was worth two hundred dollars. You're assuming it's two hundred dollars. There may be more bills behind there. Nevertheless, at least he left something. Me, I would have just robbed the place. I wouldn't even have left shit. I would have actually taken. I was like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't. I thought he was opening the cash register to take the money out because they're on the road. They got no jobs. Like Richie has a bank account. What kind of money can he have for being like? We don't even know what his profession is because they say ex ice cream man. Well, he quit being ice cream man whenever he was. There's no one in the the town to fucking give ice cream. Everyone is dead. Well, his family was still there. He was selling ice cream to his family, to the three people in his fucking household. I'm just saying there were still people living in the town at that point. I I don't know about that. But I have to say the reason obviously that happens is because Reggie was not on board. Reggie didn't get on board until the tall man went after his family. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll go and help you there, Mike, because, uh, you know, they killed my family. You know, and now he has to, like, go for revenge against the three people that died in his family. I know I can't get over the how, how, how many is an acceptable amount? Did it be six people die in the house before it was fine for you? Like, oh, three people, you can't swear revenge. But six, that's cool. That was his whole family. So I guess that's what made it sad because he had no other family. Left. He didn't even say? have an ice cream truck left. He had nothing. He didn't have ice cream. But apparently he had $200 in his pocket. <coughs> Which... Well, the insurance money for the house. <coughs> I'm sure the house was insured. At least one of the people <coughs> had insurance. It was his aunt and... Two other people, so we don't really know who the other two people are. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're now belong to the tall man. Yeah. So then they head out on the road looking for the tall man, and, you know, they run across a few creepy things here and there. But wait, before you move forward, I know I've been talking a lot, and I've been saying a lot of kooky stuff, but we forgot to mention the main motherfucking thing in this movie, because I don't know what was going on in, like, the 80s. You know, specifically, let's say from like 1984 to like 1989. But of course, there has to be a woman that has a psychic connection. She actually is the one who starts the movie off because... That was a, another one of those studio things. They insisted there had to be a female love interest in the movie. Yeah, a female love interest that is has, you know, uh, what is it? Not telekinetic. Uh, she's could talk... Telepathic. Telepathic. You know, we saw it in Friday the 13th, the series. We saw it in fucking Freddy. Like, there's always some woman with some kind of telepathic, telekinetic fucking powers. She has to be there because, of course, why not? We are already in the realm of, like, unbelievable shit going on. We might as well just throw that factor. But she's actually the one that's recounting everything that's happened to Mike and Reggie. And how she's also been tracking them and also tracking the tall man and how she feels like he's getting closer and closer to her, the tall man. Yeah. So, you know, Mike is having like wet dreams about her. Coincidentally, her name is Elizabeth. And I say that because obviously that's my full name. And, you know, here's Elizabeth, telekinetic, you know, of course you can't, I'm I'm sorry, telepathic. You can't have, that'd be ridiculous. Whatever. You can't have a telepathic. (laughs) Anyone, she has to have blonde hair and blue eyes. She has to have that angel because she's innocent. She doesn't even get it on with Mike in the scene where it's like, okay, everyone's going to get it on in this scene because, you know, why not? The poor guy, I don't even know if Mike ever even lost his virginity. It's rough times for Mike, I have to say. He hungry, he a virgin, and his whole family dead. 
And it that's messed up. I mean, why even keep on living? I, I guess that's why. He's like, I have nothing to lose because I can't even get a hamburger or get laid up in here. I might as well just spend all my time traveling trying to find this fucking seven foot fucking old man in a fucking suit because I have to kill him. That's all he does. That's, that just seems like unbelievable to me that this is what he's doing with his time. But fine. Take it. So they stop at the cemetery, see what's going on because they get the think the tall man might be at this particular cemetery they go into one of the uh crypts and as you pointed out there are millions of candles lit that have just recently been lit in the crypts like who lit the candles in a red hallway okay it's a red hallway with sexy candles that are lit (laughs) they've just been lit the 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 candlesticks are white okay i pointed out it's obviously the girl that's in there because they find a girl who looks suspiciously like Elizabeth. But it's not her. It's not her. Because so you're they, saying her humpback ass because She revealed. turns out to have a hump on her back that whips out a face that looks a little like the tall man. Just rips out of her back and it's like, you play a good game, boy. It's like, so maybe that was it. She was, obvious, she was obviously like a minion. Of, <coughs> yeah, see? You, you did yourself in with your coffin there. <coughs> I'm a little under the weather. I'm recuperating from... <coughs> Excuse me, illness. So there will be a lot of coughing in this podcast. But yeah, so, um, so yeah, so she, she has she a crazy thing in her back. She was a minion of the tall man, so she knew they were coming. She lit all the candles. She made it all like warm and inviting, so it would kind of lower his guard. And hopefully, then maybe the tall man face that's going to jump out of her back would be able to bite his off. I don't know. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now. They're not even part of a union. These dwarfs like smush down like crave like dead people whatever the fuck they are like they, they have no union they got no benefits but out here cold naked afraid like now they gotta now they gotta deal with fire and light fucking candles like they're about to like have a fucking romantic fucking dinner like this is bullshit right now i'm like quitting i'm like i'm done with you tall man like i'm done i'm gonna go live my life in the hot fucking desert and my fucking Sorry, robes ewok style like shoved into a barrel then you're thrown into another dimension and they put you in a fucking Jawa outfit and then send you back into the other dimension. No, that's a, you don't have rights. You don't have thoughts. You're just doing what you're told, okay? I guess. Fine. You're, so you're one step below a Walmart worker. I, I couldn't I couldn't with this with the fucking candles on the wall. I mean it just I was just like, oh, okay, okay, so now we have and then do they even have thumbs? Like now they're now they're lighting things? So that's happening. So now it's alas, it's not Elizabeth. Even though it sounds, looks like her, she looks terrified. That's the other thing that kind of threw me off because it's like, she's genuinely afraid. Like you, that bit is like, oh shit, this is her. Like they got her and they're using, but it was like the image in Mike's mind of her that the tall man was able to use because... He's a master manipulator. They don't really say like verbally that I remember, especially in this movie, but the tall man and him have some kind of fucking connection. Yeah. You know, which, okay, fine. Um, So, yeah. This is also where they're going through, uh, like in this building, they also find, he finds a body laid on the uh, slab. This naked woman is laid on there. And then when he's looking at her, he turns around and she's gone. Like, that'd be a thing right off the bat. Like, um, okay, she's gone. And we never see this very naked woman again. I mean, she's like... No, no, we do see this very naked woman again because she happens to be the hitchhiker that they pick up in a little bit. 
Remember? But her, no, I don't, because her hair was like mad short, like Pat Benatar laying on that damn slab. It, it was wasn't long. Behind your head. Okay, was, fine. But so yeah, she's the. That's what I guess the titties thing. matched. They were very small. So, so I guess yeah, that's... he. That's the first thing he says later is like, "Hey, uh, Reg, I saw her in my dreams," because it turns out this whole thing in the cemetery was a dream. Which is why the candles could have been lit and everything, because it was all just a creepy dream that he was having. It was all Whoops. a dream. Here comes the rain. Uh, let's add some ambiance to the uh, Phantasm podcast. Ugh. So yeah. Okay. So then we're okay. It was all a dream. So now we're like classic Cosarelli. Like it, it's a dream. This is all a dream. Which part of the movie's a dream? Is it this part? Is it this other part? Okay. Fine. Okay. We got it. Dreams. So then. We've got, we finally cut to Elizabeth, where her grandfather has just died, and wouldn't you know it, the tall man just happens to be there at the funeral home, ready to collect the body. He's already compacting it down and sending it off to Dimension X or wherever it is to be turned into one of his little servants. And the priest, who has apparently been allowing this to happen for a little while, but you know, he starts to have second thoughts about it, is like, yeah, I'm kind of regretting doing this with the tall man i really wish i hadn't been helping him out he decides to put a you know a dagger he has this special ceremonial dagger like the kind they use to kill damien he stabs the guy the grandpa through the heart with it the grandma sees it faints and then that's the last time we really see grandma because she's definitely going to get shipped off to dimension x yeah for real um (sighs) reggie and michael and uh liz no. Oh, uh, Hitchhiker Girl. Hitchhiker. Alchemy, or Kimmy, oh, spelled yeah. C-H-E-M-Y, Kimmy. That was just too cute for words right there. Oh, they, they decide to stop, and, and like she's like, hey, I, my uncle's got a bed and breakfast over here. We'll just stop there. Bed and breakfast is, of course, like boarded up. Everything, like, everything in the town is boarded up. The only people that live there, apparently, are the grandparents. Everyone else seems to have abandoned the place. They're dead. Except for the people across the street who, when they see Mike and everybody pull up, they immediately pull the shutters down because, you know, that'll protect you from robbers. So they break into the bed and breakfast and set everything up. They set their traps up. I love when they put, like, a hand grenade and a beer can on the window. Like, one window downstairs that shows them booby trap. Maybe they booby trapped them all. I don't know. But it only showed them do one. They put a hand grenade next to the window with a string on it. So if you lift the window up, it just blows up. But then my favorite part later is that thing explodes and they go, oh, looks like he had a cat. Oh. So did the cat just play with the string and pull the pin out? Oh, of the cat course the, the cat window? did. But yeah, they set a shotgun up at the door with like a string on it. So if you open the door, the they home alone the shit out of that house. Yeah, they home alone it before home alone. And, you know, that's uh, they decide they're going to go look at the cemetery after that. They leave Kimmy there. Because, you know, you just met this girl. You don't want to take her to the cemetery murdering people just yet. So, you know, that's when Kimmy, she's been trying to find her grandmother who's disappeared from the house. She's roaming around the cemetery. She runs into the priest and, whoops, the tall man is there and he releases the spears. Who immediately, you know, I love the part where the priest is standing there and the spear flies by him and puts out the little buzzsaw and just cuts his ear off. And then he's just standing there, like, holding his ear, like, guy, lay down, do something. Don't just stand there. Everyone just stands there when they fucking see this thing coming. It's not coming at the fucking speed of light where it's so fast you can't react to it. Because we've seen other characters dodge it many times. So it's just like a pick and choose of, like, who they decide is going to be the one to get it. And then they just, you know, go through that whole thing. But 
I mean, to move the whole thing along, like, obviously, you know, uh, we come to the part, like, Mike finds out that this is, like, a dimensional thing, right? Like, there's a portal, the spheres are used as keys. I know, but we're, like, fast-forwarding to the whole thing. So, the key, the sphere is a key, and the key is opening the door to a portal, which is the portal to where they're throwing, you know, wherever he's yeah, coming the room from. from the first one that they also had, what they've seen, where it's like the room, you go in there, and there's like the two look like tuning fork things set up, and you, once you travel through that, then you're in the other dimension. Now, let me tell you. Now, you know, the tall man's going to small town to small town. I know we, I mentioned, like, why, why didn't they just go to, a, like, a large town and just forget about this and just move on with their life? Like, they know they're not going to go to, like, Miami, Florida. Like, then just move to fucking Miami, Florida. Stop going around trying to get this guy because he's going to win every single time. There's no point. Um, be worried when he's going to the big towns. That's when you got to, like, be worried, you know. They were, like, in some freaking small town in Oregon, which is not even a real town. Like, we're going to Paragold or some shit in Oregon. Um, So that was a town where they found Elizabeth where she lived with her grandparents. And um, they find that out. And then, you know, they're getting sucked in. There is a being that kind of, it's very tarred, like just burned, you know, whether it's because it's a hot thing, that body that's kind of like going towards the portal and it's grabbing on yeah, to... Yeah, that's one of the things. Remember, it came out of the... Like, the one of the barrels had popped open. One of the little dwarves was in there coming out. Like, he's already packed in the slime that they pack him in. Yeah. Into. I don't know why. And, and, I, and I don't know if this is because I'm having, like, a weird faint memory from the other one. But I always thought, like, now looking at it now recently, I'm like, was that Mike? I mean, not Mike. Was that uh, Jody? Was it Jody popping out, like, coming out of the can? Because... Jody, you know, obviously got murdered um, by the tall man. Well, did he, though? Because, you know, he pops up later on in different movies. He does. And that is problem number 500 for me for the movie. But, yes, he does pop up. But I don't know. I, I have a feeling like because the whole thing is like the tall man is using Jody to like lure Mike because that's Mike's weakness is his love for Jody. Yeah. Um, you know, that brotherly love and whatnot. And um the guilt that he has and all that that he has to unpack it. Probably why he was in the insane asylum for fucking seven years, I'm sure that's obviously added to what was going on with him there. But you know, they all attacked they all attacked the green the the tall man, not the green man. <laughs> Wrong movie. The green man. <laughs> the tall man in the whole showdown um, scene where they're doing all kinds of things and, you know, they're attacking him. Liz is attacking him. They're all fighting because the portal's sucking Reggie and Mike into it. And they're... Well, they've all had to fight the spears before where it's pretty cool. There's a great sequence I love where they're running from the one spear. They keep slamming doors and the camera just shows you like you follow like, the point of view of the spears. It smashes through the doors. Yeah. I always love that scene where they're just closing doors on it and it just keeps coming through after them. Shad pointed out there's a scene where one of the morticians is like bagging like a cremated, like they're cremating someone and they're putting like the dust in the bag and the bag reads uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, Mr. Sam Raimi. And male, 170 pounds. I wonder if Sam Raimi appreciated his weight being put on there, if that was accurate at the time or not. There's also uh, one of the graves in the cemetery is Alex Murphy, mm. which, of course, is RoboCop. So That's 
There's a few weird. little appearances in there. I wonder if that guy, I wonder if Peter Weller was a fan of it, or if they just liked RoboCop and wanted to include that in there. Maybe. But the Sam Raimi thing, the whole movie is very Sam Raimi. Like, I yeah. don't know if that was, like, Cazarelli's, like, homage to him, like a nod, you know, but it has that campy feel. The kills are, you know, some of them are campy, like, some of the things that happen. The whole, that whole scene that you just said about the sphere going door to door that's very evil dead you know yeah. very evil i think literally they did the same thing well, you like also in the evil dead greg nicotero worked on the effects on this mm, yes 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 so i'm sure that that's also part of it too there's you know friends of them working on it it's like hey we're gonna go ahead and shove this guy in there because he's our buddy the sad thing is, this is, like, a lot of people's favorite. Like, this is their favorite movie in the whole, like, franchise. This is your favorite film, right? Yeah, this one. Uh, two and three are probably my favorites of it. Um, I I don't have a favorite, as you all may or may not know. I'm like, eh, whatever. That's fine. Um, See, I saw this movie under, like, it was, I, I, I've told you before, and I, I mentioned this when we covered this a long time ago on a, on a Lost podcast. When this movie opened up in Joplin, it opened up in a the theater. There was only two screens. And they were showing Phantasm on one of them. And they did a promotion where they were going to give away like a poster for the movie. And so you show up, you get in there, and they've got a big net full of balloons over the seats. And before the movie starts, the guy comes out and is like, release the balloons. They cut the balloons loose, and then whatever balloon had like a little ticket in it, that was the one that won the... I think it was all silver balloons, like the spear. Oh, that's know. cool. Drop it all down over there, then you got to pop the balloon and find out if it's got it in there. I did not get the poster, but it was kind of a cool thing, like, to just, you know, you're there, and they just release a bunch of silver balloons down on it. The cool days when theaters were allowed to do cool things, and, you know, th that that experience is forever lost. It's, it's so fucking sad, because it used to be super cool when things would happen, you know, when you're watching a movie or before you're watching a movie, when they used to have like those cool promo things. And when you could dress up to go to the movies, yeah. you know, like the horror movies, people would show up dressed. And sci -fi of course, movies, of course, that gets ruined by a psycho. Of course, it just takes one or a couple of psychos to ruin everyone's fucking fun, which is sucks. It really sucks because it just adds to the whole experience of, of it all. If you're into that, if you're not into that, just, you know, wear your clothes and just go. But some, you know, a lot of people do ex like that whole like experience of it, and it, it's that's forever gone. Like that, like so many things, you know, that's never going to come back. And, you know, I also this was the uh, film that uh, a friend of mine <clears throat> who wasn't quite as into horror movies as I was. I was showing him different horror movies and everything. Mm. And the next year, when it would have been prom, this is how we spent prom. We watched Phantasm Two and I think Aliens and a couple of more movies. We just spent the night watching movies. Yeah, that's cool. So I, it, was, it was way better than the prom was going to be. Oh, I'm sure. So I yeah, wish I would have done that in my prom. Yeah. So, you know, I've always enjoyed this one. Like, despite what you say, the only way I could love this movie more is if they, like, were drinking Dr. Pepper while they were driving around in the car I'm and had a fucking bumper sticker on the car that said, Real Men Set for Stun. That would be the only way I would enjoy this movie better. Because I love this movie. Like, this would, to me, would be like the template for like a Phantasm TV series. Where it's like, oh, I don't know, two guys drive around in a fancy 70s car and, like, solve various supernatural or suspicious-looking right mysteries from town to town. A show like that could 
be a success, don't you think? It could be success for supernatural. Like fifteen years, it could yeah. be a fifteen-year success or however long that fucking lasted. Fifteen years. Well, I was on the money. That makes yes. me sad that I actually yeah, did that show lasted <laughs> fifteen years. <coughs> it's literally, it's literally Phantasm Two. It's that literally that show is Phantasm yes, Two. Two guys driving around. With, they even have special guns. They so. just fucking replaced interdimensional demons and dwarves with fucking uh, archangels, angels, demons, all that kind of shit. Yeah. So if we can get 15 seasons... Oh, they put that, a religious thing on it. That's what made yeah. it popular. Boom. They, uh, If we can get 15 seasons of Supernatural, I think we can probably get at least one season of a Phantasm show. Come uh, on. I mean, is it necessary? No. Like, uh, Look, the movies are done. Strengthen the whole purpose of the tall man. Like, what is his purpose? That's what Don't... I was going to say. If you re- This would be a great thing, I think. You could reboot this as a series, and you just get a little bit better, a little bit tighter writing on what's going on. You know, get some people in to kind of like, hey, you know, podcast really came up with great ideas for this, and I love the second one, but I think like, you know, there was so long in between all of the movies for the most part that, you know, and he's even said like he struggled to come up with ideas to keep it going. So uh, there were a lot of other people. There were a lot of supposed sequels to this that were supposed to be like Roger Avery that worked with Tarantino. One of his movies was supposed to do a sequel to this. There were a lot of people that were involved. They were supposed to make sequels to this, and it just always fell through it was one of those things that less you were always hearing about the next sequel and somebody big was involved with it but it never seemed to happen because it was just one of those things that it never quite made enough money that any studio was willing to even though this one only cost like two million dollars two or three million and it made its money back it wasn't the runaway hit that they wanted because all these studios want to put in two million dollars and make a hundred you know yeah well there's a lot of movies that have done you know have put not as much money and have come back with a great massive success and that's i don't want to say that's what ruins it for other independent filmmakers but it's really like the luck of the draw like you just don't know what it's gonna be at that moment that's gonna make it big you know and to think that you're gonna get marvel fucking numbers like you're these are horror movies you're not gonna get crazy fucking numbers you were gonna get you know this was before marvel but you still weren't gonna get huge numbers of this yeah i'm just saying in total like in the culmination of like like all there's two million dollars on a movie and you get 10 million back you've made five times your budget back i think you're doing okay i get the whole like see Maybe if it was more, is it the mix of the interdimensional thing and then the whole like, was it all a dream? It's just, it's all in his head. That's the part I really don't care for. Is it one or the other? You can't have both. I mean, obviously you do have both, but that's what makes it inconsistent for me. Like at the end of this one, you know, the girl rips the side of her fucking face off and then it's like, wait, was this a dream? Because we just well, said that that one part was a dream, but now is this a dream? Because we just saw them kill him. This is this was to me. This is the Halloween three conundrum of it. Was she like? Because we see like Alchemy Kimmy, you know, she's there. She's having sex with Reggie. They go back to have the final confrontation with the tall man. They tell her like, you know, just head out on your own. We're gonna. So yeah, was she evil the whole time? Was she evil the whole time, or did she when she stopped and found the hearse and like hot wired it? was one of the guys in the back of the hearse and then like you know did something to her and turned her. it's the halloween three conundrum how long was the girl a robot i was think she a robot the whole time was she a robot once they got to the place no one ever completely answers it Hell, i gonna... saw them recently and they no one could answer the question of how long she was a robot that's very true but i'm gonna tell you right now and whatever may cause may, may get flack for this whatever 
I'm going to go out there and say I feel like Tom Atkins, okay, the the actor, obviously, his character, would have known he was fucking a robot. There's no way that the Shamrock fucking whatever was that good that they literally made the most amazing robot vagina back in the 80s. I just, I can't see it. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Now, if you told me that Sheen Bushi was a robot like right after he banged her, okay, cool. Like, she didn't even have fembot titties. Like, we saw her in the late... Like, the, the, she wasn't a robot at that point. There's okay. no way that he had sex with her and she was a robot. See, that's what I'm thinking with this. I'm thinking even Reggie, you know, Reggie's lonely on the road. I'm thinking if she was a corpse the whole time, I'm thinking Reggie might have noticed that while they were having sex. Maybe. Because she was pretty aggressive about it. She was not just laying there and taking it. She was riding him cowboy. I think she was... She was in on it the whole time. She just waited for the moment where they were the most vulnerable. They felt like they had to win. And yeah. then, but was it a dream or not? That's the whole thing because it ends like a dream. A lot of these sequences in this film are very dreamlike. Like, they're like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, was it a dream or was it not? That's the question. That's that's where I have an issue with. Like, and if they make remake this, there's only one Angus Grimm. He's unfortunately gone. Like, how, how they, that's like saying, oh, let's replace uh, Kane from uh, freaking Poltergeist 2. There's only going to be, unfortunately, yes, we know now, but well, now that we know now, but we know at the time the actor, Julian Beck, he unfortunately was very ill, um, which made, which gave him that look, um, you know, what he looked like in that film, which is really creepy. You can't replace that guy. I'm going to tell you right now, Doug Jones is out there. If you put Doug Jones in a black suit and stood him up there and had him be creepy, he would be an amazing tall man. He would, but I felt like he would be more like Slender Man because he's very thin-framed. He needs to bulk up. Like, give him some oatmeal, give him some, like, a lot of, like, meat. (laughs) Like, he needs to bulk up because Angus Scrim, not that he he had, like, stature, but also he had build. You know, I, I don't want to be able to blow down well, see, here, my, my guy. Like, see, here's the thing, there though, you go, you're blown down. When you look into it, <laughs> Angus Grimm was really only six feet tall. He wasn't, like, giant. But he that's did, pretty big, though. It's tall, but then he put like, they put lifts to these shoes, and they said they had him wear a suit that was a little smaller. Yeah. So it looked like it was, he was, you know, kind of, like, ready to bust Movie out fucking magic is what you're saying. Yeah. That's why if you notice a lot of times they uh they kind of uh shoot it from odd angles where you can't really see exactly how tall he is. Yeah. But, but they did yeah. a great job. I mean, you know, all the actors in the film did a fantastic job, you know. The effects are great. The in effects it. are great. You get the gold spear in this one that will come into play later on. I give it two knives. No, it's a four knifer and you know it. You're just four being, knives. Come on, this is a That amazing. this is not a fucking four knife movie. Oh, but it is. No, I disagree. I told you before I couldn't love this movie more than if they were drinking Dr. Pepper. That's the only way it would get a better knife a rating for me. I'd have to add a fifth knife. I love you, Don Casarelli. Uh I love Bubba Bubba Hotep. That's my favorite Don Casarelli film. Whether that says something about me or not, it's just Bruce Campbell as Elvis is just fucking classic and then like the whole like mixing of the personalities I just can't both actors did a fucking amazing job in that film this movie on the other hand it's a two knifer for me like it's not gonna be more than two knives that's cool that's your favorite movie you love it it's fine it has a whole bunch of holes for me doesn't do it for me I hope never to see this movie again. Like, <laughs> Don't worry, the 40th anniversary is coming up. We'll watch it in five more years. We'll be watching it again. And next year is the 30th anniversary of Phantasm 3. 
So we're going to be definitely covering that. Oh, God. And it gets worse. It gets worse. If you, if you thought Phantasm 2 was bad, if, no. if anyone out there has that feeling, Phantasm wait until you get to Phantasm 3. three knife movie. No. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, he becomes a cobbler or whatever. Like, oh, he's a doctor. I'm like, whatever. He goes back in time. He's a man now, but he was also a man that was trying to find it. It's just like, stop with it. Just stop. Just take a nap and then come <laughs> back with some better ideas because this is just not good. This, and I want my money back for Ravenger. I haven't gone over it. I want my $10 back. It was too much. It was worth... That movie was worth $1.50. Like, not even. Free. Like... You can't blame John Casarelli for that one because he didn't direct it. What? But it... He had something to do with it. His name was on it. That was enough for me. I want my... I want, imagine me in the mail. I get a fucking a thing from John Casarelli for $1.50. That would be fucking <laughs> classic. Classic. But thank you so much for joining us in this amazing episode of the continuation of our aliens of 88 with phantasm 2 stay tuned to the horror and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment please drive home carefully and come back again soon good night